Okay, got a question for you. Do you ever have doubts in life? Do you ever have doubts? No, no, okay. Maybe you doubt what the newspapers say. Does anyone doubt that? You read the newspapers, you watch the news, do you ever doubt that? <laughs> I know Barry does. Um, do, any, do any of you doubt kind of what your teachers told you at school? Yeah, or do you think, no, 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 they were all, yeah. Do you ever doubt yourself? Yeah, yeah, I think probably, that's probably gets more of a nod than anything else, doesn't it? Okay, so today we're going to look at doubts, okay, and that doubts are a normal part of life, and actually doubts are a normal part of faith, okay? So we're going to look at that today, and we're going to look at one of, uh, a story around one of Jesus' disciples who had some doubts, and see how Jesus responded to those doubts, that helps us in our journey in life. So, um... We're going to read from John chapter 20. It's going to come up on the screen. If you haven't got a Bible with you or your Bible app or anything like that, um, I will read that to you. So it's John 20, uh, verses 24 through to 29. It says, now Thomas, called Didymus, uh, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So this is after uh, Jesus' death and his resurrection. So Jesus has died. Three days later, he was raised from the dead, and he appeared to some of the disciples. But Thomas wasn't at that first viewing of Jesus. When Jesus first turned up, Thomas wasn't there. So he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus first came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, so here we have this this disciple Thomas, um, who's often referred to as Doubting Thomas, which I, I want to say this morning, I want to kind of rebrand Thomas, okay? That's part of my goal. I think that's a bit harsh on the guy, to be honest. But that's one of those things, isn't it? It's a phrase that comes into kind of normal life. People say, oh, you're a bit of a doubting Thomas if you don't believe something. That's, that's kind of where it comes from, really. But put yourself in his shoes just for a moment. He spent three years of his life, uh, part of Jesus's kind of inner circles, part of the 12 that went everywhere with Jesus, walked everywhere. Uh, you know, they slept in, vi- in villages. They went to the next place. They were in boats. They saw miracles. So he'd be spent three years of his life being part of Jesus's disciples. And then you see this, this guy put to death by the Romans who were very good at putting people to death. OK, so you kind of look, they put him to death and you think, well, it's all over. And then you don't get invited to the gathering where all the other disciples were at that moment, where Jesus suddenly appears to them. So not only are you dealing with the, the fact that your whole world's come apart, crashing down, and Jesus is dead, um, and, and you think, well, what's going on now? All your mates gather together, and they don't invite you. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> you know, FOMO isn't a new thing, okay? Uh, Thomas here missed out, that fear of missing out. He missed out when they first gathered. So they come back from this gathering that you weren't invited to and tell you, well, you never believe it. Jesus is alive again. I mean, how many of us would say, oh, really? Oh, okay, that's amazing. Most of us would go, seriously? I don't think so. Apart from the fact you didn't invite me to the gathering you were at. Let's, let's brush that one past. The fact is, they're not, you're not going to naturally believe, are you, that that is the case? 
Good. Thanks, Anne. You're with me, aren't you? Yeah. The rest of them are all too holy. You and I would not have believed them, would we? No. Okay. In fact, the other disciples, this is where I think it's a bit harsh on Thomas, because Thomas is then seen as this guy that doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. But actually, all he wanted was a bit of evidence for this amazing claim that the disciples made. In fact, the other disciples all reacted exactly the same as Thomas did when they first heard the news of Jesus' resurrection. So in Luke 24, uh, it's talking about the women who'd first seen Jesus when he was resurrected. It said, when they, these women, came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. So this is this first meeting, okay? It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Okay? So the first, those, all the other disciples, they're now like saying, oh, Thomas, you doubter. But they doubted that when they first heard as well. So I think it's really harsh that Thomas gets labelled this great big doubter when the reality is you first hear that news yourself, the other d- disciples, exactly the same response. I'm not sure if I believe this. I need to find out for myself. All he asked for was a bit of evidence to back up their claims. So was he wrong to ask for evidence? Would you have asked for evidence in that situation? Yes, you would. Have. I think most of you would. Even those of you saying, no, I wouldn't. I would have believed. I think in truth, you would have done. You would have at least asked the question thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe I want to see it for myself. I want to know this for myself. Was that lacking faith of Thomas, do you think? I don't, th- I don't think it was lacking faith. To ask questions, I'm not sure if that was lacking faith. Because faith is a reasonable thing. Okay, faith is reasonable. It makes sense. It's okay to examine the evidence. It's okay to ask questions of our faith. That's a good thing. It says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Yeah, the instruction that the Apostle Peter is telling us there in that passage is saying, look, actually always be prepared to give a reason for your faith, what, why it makes sense to you. Now, that doesn't mean you need to have an answer to every single question that's ever asked, because that's like impossible. But he's saying, actually, it's okay, there is reasons for it. It's not just some kind of blind faith, some kind of fuzzy feeling where we all get kind of like zoomed up into something and we don't, it bypasses our brain. But actually, Peter's saying there to us that there's, there's, there's answers to the hope. There's, there's reasons, there's evidence behind your faith. So exploring questions like, is the Bible really credible? Okay? Not just being told, oh yeah, this is God's word, but actually asking that question yourself. And thinking, well actually, how was it put together? How can I believe that these things were already all kind of God's word to us now? I'm not just going to take someone else's word for it. I'm going to find out that for myself. Asking questions like, did Jesus really exist? I mean, we say it all the time. But if someone said to you, you how do you know that Jesus really existed? No, you don't need to come up with all the, you know, quote, all the historical evidence. But have you ever looked into it for yourself? Have you ever got that sense of like, well, did this guy called Jesus Christ really walk on the earth? Is there evidence outside the Bible for this guy? What do, yeah, they're good questions. And obviously the biggest question is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is that really a plausible answer to why there was an empty grave? You see, these are all good questions to ask and examine. They're good questions to find the answers. And actually, as people of faith, we need to be able to answer those. Not just for other people, but actually for ourselves. We need to know for ourselves that this is a, a reasonable faith. 
that there's evidence behind it, that we're not just nutters that have got nothing else to do with our lives, so we make up an imaginary person to make us feel important. Yeah? Because sometimes it looks like that. (laughs) But it's actually, there's reasonable stuff behind our faith. And actually, asking those questions has led many people to faith. You might have heard of a guy called Lee Strobel. Uh, He's an American guy, and actually he was an atheist, uh, an investigative journalist. So his job was to investigate stuff, and he was an atheist. So he set himself the project to investigate Christianity. For two whole years, he went into, you know, he used all his investigative journalist skills into investigating Christianity, because as an atheist, he wanted to completely prove that it was a load of rubbish. And what was the outcome? Became a Christian. (laughs) Yeah, he looked at the evidence, and actually when he looked at all the evidence in great detail over two years, he can only come to the conclusion that this is real. That this isn't something just to be put into a box marked weird for weirdos. This is actually true. So he's gone on to write books. He wrote this most known book is The Case for Christ, which is really the, the compilation of his journey. It's a great book where he details some of the conversations and the evidence he looked at in that two-year journey, which has sold over 10 million copies. And there's a film about it that you can watch on, on Amazon video as well. Um, and loads of other books that he's written around the case for. They're looking at faith and Christianity and building a reasonable case for it. So asking questions is a good thing. We should never be afraid to ask questions. If our faith is really something strong and secure, then actually asking questions is a good thing. And I would particularly encourage you to ask questions about whether Jesus really rose from the dead, because that's the really key question. It says in the Bible, Paul says later in his writings, that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're, all, we're the most pitied people on the planet, because we're, we're worshipping a dead God. But if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then he really was the son of God. And if he really was the son of God, then we've really got to take seriously what he said and what he did and what the Bible says. That's the key question that all of faith hangs on. So when we come to Thomas, actually, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? To call him doubting Thomas. Oh, we, actually, all he was doing was asking questions. He wanted evidence to back up this incredibly big claim. Jesus has risen from the dead. He was like, well, I want to see him then. I want, I, want, I want to be able to see that the nail marks that in his hands. I want to see that um, mark in his side where they put that spear. Then, then, then that would help me in my believing. Thomas was okay with expressing his doubts. He didn't in that moment suddenly think, oh, if I, if I say that, that's going to make me look really bad. So I'm just going to fake it. I'm just going to say, oh, wow, that's incredible. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, no, he, he expressed his doubt. He was comfortable enough to express his doubts because he wanted the answers to those questions. Tim Keller, who's a, a writer, says this about doubts. He says, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or too indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do, will find themselves defenceless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart sceptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which she should only be discarded after long reflection. I think that's good. That's helpful. He's kind of saying there that actually, if we are comfortable enough to say, I'm not sure about this. What about that? And actually actively engage in finding out the answers. 
then what it does is it strengthens us. It builds a strength to our faith that, when, faith that when tragedy comes or we're asked difficult questions or we find something happens in the world, we think, what does that make sense? Actually, our faith has got a strength to it that it can withstand those things and actually grow. And that comes from embracing those questions and doubts rather than pushing them under the carpet and thinking, oh, I'm not allowed to ask those questions because that's dodgy. So how do we apply this to ourselves? Well, the question is really, have you got doubts about faith? I'm not asking you to put your hand up now. I'm not asking you to tell me what those doubts are. Well, those questions. Have you got doubts or questions about faith? Well, if you're not a Christian here this morning, then I would massively encourage you to start investigating those questions. Those questions are good. If you've come here this morning or you're watching online or uh, you hear about this, uh, what we're talking about today, then I would say to you, your questions are absolutely vital for you starting the journey of growing in faith or understanding faith don't think well actually i've either it's either i've got a hundred percent believe or not believe at all it's a journey that you go on and actually asking those questions and finding out answers to those questions will really really help you in determining for yourself is this true or not what you need to know as well though is getting the answers to those questions won't make you a christian in itself, having just knowledge doesn't help, doesn't sort of take that moment of faith you. There is a moment where actually having believed that Lee Strobel, having found out all the evidence about Christianity, he came to the conclusion that this is true, but it also demanded a faith response in him, which was actually, I need to now ask for forgiveness for all the stuff I've done wrong before God. I now need to accept that Jesus is my only saviour. And I now need to follow him for the rest of my life. That's a faith step. That's not a knowledge thing. That's not a, a book that you read. That's a, a response in your heart. But actually getting answers to the questions can, can move some of the rubbish out of the way that can get you to the cross. It can get you to that place where you make that response. And sometimes people don't ever get to the cross. They never get to the place where they recognize Jesus as their savior. Because they've got so many questions that are almost like rubbish in the way that prevent their path from getting there. Asking those questions, clearing that rubbish can lead you to a place of finding Jesus for yourself. So if you're not a Christian this morning, just I'd encourage you, don't hide those questions. Fire them off. Stir them up. Be, be, you know, be like Lee Strobel. Be that kind of investigative kind of journalist. Go for it. We can help you on that journey if you want to. Uh, but I'd encourage you to do that. But for those of us that are Christians... I don't know about you, but the reality is when you become a Christian, the questions and doubts don't just stop, do they? Or is it just me? I know it's not me. I know it's not me. Because the reality is, is that we all have questions where we sometimes think, doubts. I mean, sometimes you go along and think, am I just a nutter? You know, you walk out, you think the rest of the world doesn't, you walk down the street, you see all these people and you think, have I just made all this up? Do you ever think like that sometimes? I do. I sometimes think, am I just like kind of, what am I doing? I, I was like born up in, a, grew up in a Christian family. Am I just following everything that I was taught to believe? Have I just kind of entered this kind of bubble? And I'm, you know, and sometimes you do that. You suddenly think, God, yeah, is it? And then you suddenly stop and think, mm, but when I look around the world, I think this can't have happened by chance. And when I look at the human body, I think that's incredible. That didn't just kind of come about by chance. And then I look at, Questions like, well, what about love? Love doesn't come out of nowhere. Why do people kind to each other? That's surely because there's a God of love who's made us in his image to love and care. And, and then, do you know what I mean? And then I think, well, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Well, yeah, because I've looked at that. I've thought about it. I've, I've 
gone through stuff. I've done Alpha about six million times, um, and, and which is brilliant. <laughs> That's massively helped. And I think, no, actually, all the other answers for why Jesus rose from the dead, why the tomb was empty, don't make sense. It can only be that. And then you come to the experience of your own life, like we've been hearing about this morning. And, and it helps you in those moments when you suddenly think, am I a nutter? Am I, just, am I just a weirdo that's got not enough going on in his life? I think, no, that might be true a bit as well. However, my faith is real. So Jesus' interactions with Thomas, I think, help us in those moments. Help us when we handle our doubts. If you never have any doubts, you can just ignore me, uh, which you probably have anyway. Uh, but for those of us who struggle sometimes with these, I think these are really helpful things from Jesus' interaction with Thomas. The first thing we've kind of touched on is how Thomas kind of first of all goes to things is being honest with your doubts. He says that right away, doesn't he? Thomas expresses his doubts when the disciples say Jesus has risen from the dead. He's like, I'm not sure. I think it's really important that we create an environment in our church community where it's okay to express your doubts and your questions. I think that's really, really healthy and really, really important. Okay, that you don't make to feel stupid by people. If you say, I'm really struggling at the moment, I'm just struggling to believe. <laughs> I'm struggling to think about that or that. That people don't say, oh, you're lacking faith. Or, well, you know, I've never had those doubts. That's not helpful, is it? We've got to have an environment where it's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to look and say, look, you say all this stuff, but I'm just not sure. I don't know. I, I, I'm struggling with that at the moment. That's good. That's healthy. That's getting our doubts and our questions out. Like I said, I've still got plenty of unanswered questions and I annoy people all the time by asking those questions. But that's healthy, I think, uh, because, yes, we have to get to a place where there's a box marked mystery. And there's lots of things we don't know the answer to. But it's good to ask the questions. So be honest with our questions. Be honest with our doubts. That's OK to talk about them when you're struggling. Second way that we look at this interaction is that what happened? Well, actually... He brought them to Jesus. Jesus, Thomas actually took those doubts and those questions to Jesus. And I think how Jesus reacts to Thomas should be really, really reassuring for us. Because when Jesus comes into the room in that moment to, to encounter the disciples when Thomas was there, notice that Jesus isn't angry with Thomas. He's not disappointed with Thomas. He's not offended. He's not saying, oh, I can't believe you didn't rise believe that i rose from the dead thomas after all that i've done for you and you know jesus could quite rightly say i talked about this for months leading up to my crucifixion and you just weren't listening yeah you didn't listen you never listened to me you disciples yeah, jesus didn't do any of that did he he's so kind he's so loving he's so gentle with thomas and bear in mind that jesus wasn't surprised by thomas's doubts because actually when he came into the room he didn't walk into the room and say hmm Thomas, you look a bit surprised. Why are you like, did you doubt me? He, he's a son of God. He knew that Thomas already expressed those doubts. And what did he do? He went to him. He, he gave him what he needed in that moment. He gave him the evidence. And it, actually, Thomas said, I don't need to put my hands in your fingers. I, I get it. You, it's true. But Jesus' response to Thomas should bring us massive reassurance. Okay, don't, if you, don't bring our questions to Jesus. Don't think, oh, I can't pray that. I can't pray, oh God, are you really there? Or you can't pray, oh God, I just feel like this has happened in my life and this has happened and I just bring them to him. He knows them anyway. He knows what's going on in your heart. He's not offended. You're not going to upset him. You're not going to let him down. He's actually healthy. He brings you what you need in those moments. That doesn't mean he always gives you all the answers to all your questions, but he gives you what you need in that moment. 
It might be just peace. It might be some joy. It might be the answer. It might be these things happen. But bring them to Jesus because he's not bothered. He's not upset. He's not angry about you having doubts. In fact, I think in the, back, in the last bit of the verse we've read there in verse 29, when Jesus says to Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think he's, he's got us in mind there. He says to these guys, look, you've seen me and you've believed. But there's going to be people 2,000 years' time in this place called Lowestoft that you've never heard of, disciples, in a country that you've never heard of. But they're going to believe me 2,000 years after I've walked out on this. And they're going to be, they're going to be following me 2,000 years later. He gets that faith is not easy. He gets it. He knew that faith for those disciples wasn't easy. He gets that for us, 2,000 years later, faith isn't easy. And he's not upset by that. He wants to come to us and give you what you need to strengthen your faith. I think that's incredible. And the third bit, the third way we apply this and respond is that we should let those questions and those doubts we have and our journey in wrestling with them lead us to a place of worship. Thomas in verse 28 just says to him, he doesn't, he's got it. He says, my Lord, and my God, he just worships. He gets, he sees, okay, you really are the son of God. You really are who you said you were. And his only response to that is worship. As we looked at earlier with that quote from Tim Keller, wrestling with our questions and our doubts should lead us to a stronger place of faith. And what does our faith lead us to? It leads us to worship. Because when you realize Jesus is who he really said he was, when you realize that he walks with you, that he strengthens you, he brings comfort to you, he he does all the things that even like Joan and, and Graham were sharing this morning, then the only place it can lead us to is worship. My Lord and my God. It grows us in the middle of that journey. We never understand everything. There's always a lot of mystery. But actually the end goal is worship, not understanding. The goal in everything is for us to get to a place where we just worship God for who he is. And we're content with the mystery of why things don't always make sense to us. But understand, we get to a point where we say, my Lord and my God. Thomas had got past his questions and he got to worship. So just to, just to finish, I like Thomas. Okay? I hope you've, I hope you've convinced that he's not as, as bad as he's always been through church history made out to be. I think he's been treated harshly. I think he had doubts, but he was honest about them. He, he expressed them. He took them to Jesus. And he grew in his faith and his worship as a result. Let's be a church community that are honest with ourselves honest with each other we support each other we encourage each other we bring our questions and our doubts to god we're honest about those things and we can be secure in how jesus responds to us just like he did with thomas he's not angry he's not offended he's not upset he wants to hear those so he can come and strengthen us and if we are like that if we build that kind of sense of culture together then our faith will only grow stronger and our witness to the world will only go stronger as a result let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We, th- we do thank you for uh, these stories that are recorded. Lord, if the, if the Bible wasn't true and it was written just to, to make everything look good, the story of Thomas wouldn't be in there. It wouldn't be in there of a, a, a disciple that didn't really quite believe that you said that you were going to do what you said you were going to do. Lord, it would be airbrushed and we'd just have this amazing story where Thomas hadn't seen you but fell on the floor and said yes i know he's true i know he's come from the dead i haven't seen it but look it's true because we hear warts and all 
And Lord, I thank you for the encouragement of people like Thomas. Lord, that actually we see a lot of ourselves in him. Lord, at times we struggle with faith. At times we find it strange and we have questions. But Lord, I thank you that that doesn't bother you. I thank you that you said that we're blessed because we believed and we haven't seen you physically. Lord, I pray you'd help us to grow in our faith. Lord, we want to grow stronger in our faith. Lord, even Joan, who's celebrating 95 years on this planet this week, Lord, she wants to grow stronger in her faith. Lord, I thank you that until that day where we see you, we can grow and grow in you. And Lord, I just pray you'd help us in this journey. I pray for anyone here this morning or watching online or listening, Lord, who's just really struggling at the moment, just got loads of questions and loads of doubts, and maybe they just feel there's nowhere they can go with those. They maybe feel they can't express those doubts for anyone. They can't talk about it. They feel embarrassed to do that. Lord, I really pray that they would feel some freedom this morning just to go and find a trusted friend and say, look, I'm struggling with this at the moment. They would feel confident to come to you knowing that you won't reject them and push them away. But quite the opposite. You'll give them what they need to grow in their faith. So thank you, Holy Spirit, you walk with us. Thank you that this is not just you as a distant God telling us what to do. But Holy Spirit, you live with us to make this alive. I pray you make it more alive to us. Even this week we pray. Amen.